Are there sisters upstairs? Yeah. Okay. Nah, I was gonna get real. <laughs> we need brothers only gatherings at times. It's all good. I, they need to hear that. That's a problem of our time. That we spend too much time together with the genders. Men need time alone, women need time alone. المهم بسم الله الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن ولا ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله اللهم علمنا من علمك ما ترضى به عنا ولا تؤاخذنا بما تعلمه منا يا حليم خلقنا بخلق الحلم وحقيقنا بحقائق العلم سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العليم الحكيم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني في قولي وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم first and foremost when extend uh, gratitude to Imam Mahmoud and Imam Omar for inviting me here. Jazakumullah uh, khair. It's good to see you all. So I actually prepared something. I was going to read something from Majmur Fatawa, Sheikh Islam Taymiyyah. Then I saw all the Shabab. And then I, I went somewhere else. And because I can't see the sisters, I really just want to go ham, but I have to be respectful for them. Alhamdulillah. Um, <laughs> so honestly, honestly, uh, I prefer to things to be interactive, things to be dis like to have a discussion. And so uh, I'll read a little bit from Sheikh Islam Taymiyyah. He said, "May Allah have mercy on him." And then uh, we can have a question A because the sisters aren't here. We can I'll answer your questions. I don't know if there's a way to for sisters to send questions down. Uh, see, okay, see, I was gonna say since they can. No. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. Um, <laughs> so this book is Majmu'a Fatawa, the collection of fatawa of, of rulings by Sheikh al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah. Ibn Taymiyyah was a very famous Hanbali Sheikh uh, who died in the 8th century, 728. Uh, in the Hanbali Madhab, he's known as a Sheikh. That's how reputable his, his reputation is. When the ulama of fiqh referred to him, he's a Sheikh, the Sheikh. Uh, and oftentimes, his fatwa is the fatwa that's given in the Hanbali Madhab. Um, Sheikh, um, Sheikh Ibn Uthaymeen, Allah many of you probably heard of Ibn Uthaymeen, majority of his fatwa, all of his fiqh rulings, are usually taken from Ibn Taymiyyah. And actually, a lot of his opinions in general, if you were to compare between his and Sheikh al-Islam, he's just taken from Sheikh al-Islam. And so I was reading, subhanAllah, it just came to my heart earlier this week, even before I talked to Imam Mahmoud or Muhammad. I always call him Mahmoud for some reason. Muhammad Mahmoud. Uh, I was just reading through one of his books because this, the, it's a compendium, it's a collection of just his fatawa. And they put them into different sections, on aqidah, on tafsir, on Quran, on many different things. And I was just reading through it and I came across this one fatwa, someone asked him a question uh, and it, it resonated with me and I sent it to Imam Mahmoud, or Muhammad and... I was like, I'm just going to read this to the Shabab. He was like, all right, cool. Um, so, Bismillah. Qal Musannif rahimahullah ta'ala naf'a'allah bi'l'umi fi darayn. The author, may Allah be pleased with him. Can we take the echo off of this by any chance? Uh, yes. Awesome. I appreciate that. The author, he said, may Allah be pleased with us, pleased with him, and allow us to benefit from his knowledge in this life and the next. Someone asked him. So, this is, again, a collection of fatawa. People are asking questions, and he's responding to them. He says... 
ما الحكمة في أن اشتغاله بالذكر والفكر والرياضة والمجاهدة والنفس وما اشتبهه بالفتح عليه من كشفات وكرامات وما سوى ذلك He said what's the benefit, what's the wisdom in the people that busy themselves with dhikr with remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and fikr and contemplation and riyadah which literally translates to be uh, exercise but what it's referring to is riyadah nafs exercising the heart, working on the soul ومجاهدت نفس and fighting against the soul and things that are related to that with regard to uh, opening if we can go down a little bit more I don't need any echo <laughs> I'm so sorry I'm like bothering him uh, so uh, with regard to kashf or awakening openings and miracles and things like that from those affairs um, with their little knowledge with the little bit of knowledge they have and the ignorance of some of them that haven't engaged in studying knowledge and researching and so some of these people they think that they <laughs> this echo is driving crazy <laughs> And some of these people, they think that if they just sit down or they lay down uh, facing the qibla and busy with dhikr and a present heart, then undoubtedly they're going to have some sort of awakening. Something's just going to happen by them doing this. Um, and But if the same person were to spend the night reviewing a chapter of fiqh, they wouldn't find that same awareness or awakening. And some of the innovators, they find with that uh, a sweetness, with dhikr a sweetness. Um, and so he said, in continuing the questioner, he says, These same people don't find that with regard to reading the Quran. Even though it comes in the sunnah, that there is a, a merit, a preference given to the, the knowledgeable person, the alim, the scholar, over the person who is just a worshipper. And no doubt that the abid, the worshipper, they require knowledge, even if that they're going to use and work with. And so then the questioner continues on. So just stop right here. It's clear from this questioner that he has knowledge. The questioner himself is not just me or you asking a question to the shaykh trying to get some clarity. As they say, to give a ruling is based upon understanding it. And the one can tell the intelligence of someone merely by how they ask questions. And so this guy is asking a question and it's very detailed. He could have just said, oh, what's the ruling on such and such and such and such? As many of us do or we read online, different fatawa. But he's being very specific into who he's talking about. People who engage in dhikr or ibadah in general. And they have no knowledge as to what they're doing. And then they say, I find sweetness with this dhikr that I don't find with reading Quran or studying knowledge or anything like that. So from the, he's setting up the parameters from the beginning. What's going on? We have fiqh, we have kitab, we have sunnah. How come you're not finding it there, but you do this dhikr and you don't and you do find it there? And then he mentions he says, Wafil Hadith and al Malaikata 
تضع أجنحتهم لطالب العلم رضا بما يصنع وأن العالم ورد الأنبياء وقد وفضل العالم على العابد كفضل القمر على سائر الكواكب. And just as it comes in the hadith that the malaika, the angels, they put their wings down, which means they humble themselves, they're honoring the student of knowledge, um, pleased with what they are doing, and the, that the scholars are the inheritors of the prophets, and the merits of this all from the Prophet and the merits of the of the scholars over the abids, over the worshippers, is like the merits of the moon over the rest of the stars. And so then he mentions another hadith. And then he continues on to ask some more. But you get the picture here. Picture is how come some of us can find halawa, sweetness, benefit in doing certain things. I'm trying to make it contextualized for us. Whether that be dhikr or doing other things, but in the things that are most important to us. Whether it's reading the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or studying some fiqh that's going to help us know how to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The very core things, we don't find that same sweetness. So Ibn Shaykh al-Islam, Allah yarhamu, may Allah be pleased with him, he says, Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen, ala rayba inna al-lazhi utiya al-ilm wal-iman rafa'a darajat min al-lazhi utiya al-iman faqat. He said, there's no doubt that, Alhamdulillah, he starts by praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he said, there's no doubt that the one who's been given knowledge and iman together is of a higher level than the one who's been given iman alone. كما دل على ذلك كتاب السنة just has been proven in the book in the Sunnah والعلم الممدوح الذي دل عليه الكتاب والسنة هو العلم الذي وردت الأنبياء and the praiseworthy knowledge that is found in the book in the Sunnah in the Sunnah this is the knowledge that is the inheritance of the Prophet just as the Prophet Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم said and he repeat the same hadith the question asked about he says and based upon that knowledge is of three types العلم بالله والصفات وأسمائه وصفاته Knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his names and attributes. وَمَا يَتَبْعُ ذَلِكَ وَفِي مِثْلِهِ أَنزَلَ اللَّهُ سُورَةِ الْإِخْلَاسِ وَآيَةُ الْكُرْسِ وَنَحْوِي And what is like that with regard to what comes down to Surah Al-Ikhlas, Ayatul Kursi and otherwise. So the first type of knowledge is knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his names and attributes. Tawheed, Aqeedah. It's the first type of knowledge. The second type is the ilm ma akhbar Allah bihi bima kana min al-umur al-madiyah wa ma yakun fi al-umur al-mustaqbila wa ma huwa ka'in min al-umur al-hadira wa fi ha wa fi mithl hadha anzal Allah ayat al-qisas wal-wa'id wal-wa'id wal-sifat al-jannah wal-nar wa nahwi dhalik. He said the second type of knowledge is knowledge that talks about the things that happened in the past and the things that are happening in the present in the in the future and things that are happening in the present and that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us to store the revealed the verses of qisas a retribution and punishments and um uh and the promises of jannah and the hellfire and other than that so the first is aqidah tawhid that's the first thing knowing who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is his names and attributes the second is the information, the knowledge that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us about things that happen in the past, things that happen in the future. And the third is, الْعِلْمُ بِمَا أَمَرَ اللَّهُ بِهِ مِنَ الْأُمُورِ الْمُتَعَلَّقَ بِالْقُلُوبِ وَالْجَوَارِحِ مِنَ الْإِيمَانُ بِاللَّهِ وَمَعَارِفُ الْقُلُوبِ وَأَحْوَالِهَا وَأَقْوَالَ الْجَوَارِحِ وَأَعْمَالِهَا The third type is, the, is that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands with, with regard to the actions of the heart and the limbs. وَالْإِيمَانُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الْمَعَارِفِ الْقُلُوبِ وَالْأَحْوَالِ وَالْأَقْوَالِ وَالْجَوَارِحِ وَالْأَعْمَالِ He says, um, so the second thing is the knowledge that is related to knowledge that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded with from the affairs that are connected to the heart and the limbs from iman, in the belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and understanding in the knowledge of the heart and the limbs and the tongue and the, um, 
the, excuse me, the heart and its stations or its states and the, the statements and its actions and the limbs and their actions. So the third thing is that we have to know the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mashaykh al-Islam has mentioned the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are two. The commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with regard to fuqh, jurisprudence, the things that we have to do, we can't do, we can't do. Can I drink alcohol? Okay, alhamdulillah. Y'all with me here? That's <laughs> a question. We're gonna turn this bad boy off. Uh, can I commit zina? May Allah protect all of us. See, y'all shabab. Y'all, that was a bit, <laughs> that was, no. <laughs> um, so the first thing is the the that with regard to the, the he says the heart first with the limbs, but also the heart. We have to know our hearts, meaning the things in which I'm commanded to do. I'm commanded to try to be humble. I'm commanded to. Um, have sincerity. I'm prohibited from being arrogant. I'm prohibited from uh, showing off. I'm prohibited from doing. Those are actions of the heart. And so we need to know these three things, Shaykh al-Islam mentions. First thing is tawheed, aqidah, and then ilm with the akhbar, the information that is going to things in the present, in the future, in the past, in the present. And then knowledge with regard to the limbs and the heart. He mentions both of those. Um... Muhammad. He says, and these things, it comes under it, the knowledge of usul iman, the fundamentals of iman. And the qawa'id al-Islam and the principles of the deen, though what comes under those is um, the knowledge of the aqwal wal af'al al-zahira, the knowledge of the statements and the actions of the parent, of the external that we can see. وَهَذَا الْعِلْمِ يَنْدَرْجُ فِيهِ مَا وَجَدَ فِي الْكُتُبِ الْفُقَهَةِ وَمِنْ عِلْمَ الْأَحْكَامِ الْأَفْعَالِ الظَّاهِرَةِ And these things you can find in the books of the fuqaha. Um... And the rulings of the af'al al-zahir, the apparent things. And this is a part of a part of a part of the knowledge of the deen. These things, fiqh, and of the ahkam, the rulings of the external and the internal, of the limbs and the heart, is a part of a part of a part, three parts, of ilm um, al-deen. كما أن المكشوفات التي تكون أهل الصف أهل الصفة جزء من جزء من جزء من علم الأمور الكونية. Just as these miracles or these awakenings, these things that we're becoming aware of our hearts or what we're aware of these different things, are all by the people of Sufa, the people of the wear Suf. We can talk about that later. Is one part of one part of one part of the worldly things. So we'll start here. Oh, we'll continue a little more just for the sake. <laughs> um, he says that people go into mistakes and, and we need to preserve, the, we read the Quran and blah, blah, blah. But what I want to just point out here is that Islam is very, very vast. And that we can't focus on one part of the deen without also focusing on another part of the deen. We can't focus only on aqidah and we can't only focus on fiqh. Those are also supposed to help us become better. They're supposed to be things that help change us as human beings. 
There's supposed to be things that help us be better people, Muslims, people that surrender ourselves over to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but also help us be good people in society in general. And some of my teachers have told me, if my Islam makes me a, a worse person in society, makes me a bad neighbor, then I'm not practicing Islam properly. If my Islam doesn't make me a better person, how I interact with my parents. MashaAllah, I see a lot of beards and thobes, alhamdulillah. It's all good, it's from the sunnah, you should do that. It's agreed upon, shaving beards, haram. So I said that, okay? Um, but if your beard and your thobe doesn't make you a better son, or for the system says, doesn't make you a better daughter, then we're not doing something right. Think about that. As someone mentioned a few weeks ago, if we're only wearing good clothes and smell nice, then really we're just doing cosplay Islam. And so like that really hit me because I never thought of it that way. Islam is supposed to be something that makes us better. By definition, a Muslim is someone who does what? Submits, surrenders to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's in every aspect of our lives. Externally and internally. Externally how we look, how we conduct ourselves. We should have izzah. We should be strong and be proud of us being Muslim. We should not cower away from our Islam. At the same time, we should be humble. We should be, have good character. And both of those have to go together. For we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow us to benefit from our teachers and our teachers, teachers and all of our ulama that have answered so much for us that we are just trying to like take a drop out of the ocean. Uh, this is like part of one part of one juz. This book here is like 12 ajza. It's 12 parts. So we took a page and a half of one volume of a 12 volume book. Sheikh Yasser Qadi did his entire dissertation on one part of this entire book. There's a PhD on Ibn Taymiyyah. For may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to benefit from our teachers, allow us to be humble to always benefit and change. Now uh, I open the floor up to you guys. I will just let you know from the rip. I am an open book. Y'all can ask whatever. And I will be as honest as possible, inshallah. Um, they said there's a way for the sister to ask questions. Allahumma balaght. I did my part. If the questions don't come, that's not my fault. Don't blame me. Yeah. We should always try to have some balance in it. But if we know that we're dedicating our time to do one thing, we're trying to accomplish a goal, then that's fine. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will burden a soul more than it can bear. And you know your capacity. Right now, I'm in school, I'm working, I'm doing my hiv, that's all I can do. I can't go to some extra classes. Fine, that's cool. But don't fake. Don't half step. Do it. Finish your Quran and then do the other things. Because we need all of it. We need our fiqh, we need our aqidah, we need our tazkiyah, we need all of it. But if you're dedicating yourself to one thing, then that's cool. Also, just for, uh, not all of us have to be ulama. The reality is, most of us are not going to be ulama. We're not going to be scholars. We need to have ilm bifardain. We need to have knowledge of what is individually obligatory on all of us. How do I, what is the basis of aqidah? Usul iman, as Shaykh al-Islam mentioned. Who is Allah? Who is the Prophet What are the angels? What are the books? What are the messengers? We need to have the basis of those things. And we have a basis of our fiqh. How do I pray? How do I make wudu? How do I fast? The things that I have to do, that I'm mukallif bi, 
that it's obligatory for me to do. I have to fast Ramadan. So I need to know fasting and the rulings regarding that. Salah, I have to pray. So prayer and the rulings regarding that. If I have a little bit of money saved on the side, zakat and the rulings regarding to that. If you get married, marriage and the rulings regarding to that. Based on what is individually obligatory for you, that's what you have to know. After that, it's fard kifaya. It's a communal obligation. We need the Imam Mahmoud, Imam Umar. We need the people in the community who are trying to help raise the tides. Because as the famous statement goes, um, what is it? All tides raise all boats, or tide, raising tides raise all boats. If, if we're all doing something, we all start to benefit. So, yes, do what you can. If you can on the side, do some fardain, some fiqh, some aqidah, some tazkiyah, it's jameel. Yeah. Hold on. I'm just going to go off hands. So like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. 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 The question was, what are some of the difficulties I had at Umm Al-Qura in Mecca? And what would be some advice I'd give to someone who wants to go overseas to study? First and foremost, know what your purpose is. What are you trying to do? Um, do you want to be Sheikh al-Islam? Let's put it like this. If I want to run a marathon, a marathon is 26.2 miles, and I'm committing to running this marathon today. I haven't been to the gym in six months. I haven't run in a year. That means i got to commit myself to this process and everything about it. My sleep has to be on point. My eating has to be on point. My training needs to be on point. And I have to have a training module. I know what I'm trying to accomplish. I'm putting in a certain amount of miles every week, working up to building to that point. So that why, whenever I've set the goal of what I'm trying to accomplish, I can get there. If you want to be a talib ilm, you want to go do it, exhaust your means now. Benefit from the ulama, the tulab al-ilm, whatever you can. Whether it's online, in person is obviously better. Exhaust what you can. And this was the way of Imam Shafi'i. He became the mufti of Mecca. And after doing that, he went to Yemen to make some money so he can pro provide for himself before going to Malik in Medina. But before he went to Imam Malik in Medina, he memorized Muwatta, Imam Malik's hadith book collection. So when he went to Medina, Imam Malik said, here's my book, go memorize this first. He started reciting it to him. I got it. He put in that work. And so before you even think about seeking knowledge, what is it that I want to do? Do I want to dedicate myself to this? I can, wallahi, wallahi, wallahi. Imam work is not glamorous. And I'm not talking about, I'm about to throw some serious shade right here. I'm not talking about the social media sheikhs you see. I'm not talking about the Islamic influencers. And there's a bunch of them. I'm talking about on the ground work. What Imam Mahmoud's doing, what Imam Umar's doing. That's Imam work. That each and every one of you can say, I'm going to make dua for them because they benefited me in my life this way or that way. Online is cool, but it's superficial. So this, what we're, this right here is not glamorous. It's not. And so you need to know that you're embarking on a long, arduous journey that has little rewards in this dunya. Third, um, you're going to be away from your family. And if you're in Saudiya, you're going to get a very small mukafah, a very small stipend. And if you're other places, you won't get any stipend. And so 
How are you going to provide for yourself? Do you have family support? Do you have community support? Community support, don't bank on it. It won't likely come. Um, it'll, it'll die after a little bit. Uh, what are you, how have you prepared for it? One of my teachers went and worked on Wall Street for four years, stacked up his bread, lived at home, stacked up his bread, then went to Azhar. So how are you going to, what are you going to do? Um, I mean, yeah, there, there's, those are some basic things when you're thinking about going to study. Those are this. Know, what, know where you're going. What is available for me there? I'm going to Azhar. Khalas, what's the Azhar? What scholars are there? What am I going to study there? Do I want to study Hadith? Do I want to study Aqidah? Do I want to study Fiqh? Do I want to study Tazkiyah? Do I want to study Arabi? Do I want to study Tafsir? Do I want to study Quran? Do I have the prerequisites? Understand those things before you go so that you have some tasawwur, some conception of what you're getting into before you even get there. And there are good pros and cons of every single place you want to study. Every place where you can possibly study. You want to go to Mauritania in the middle of the desert? Jameel. There's pro- the cons there. You're going to be on a donkey, drinking water out of the leather skin. It's going to be really hot. It's going to be difficult. You want to go to Yemen? There are different places that you can go in Yemen. We're not even going to get into that. Pros and cons. Mecca, pros and cons. Lastly, uh, be confident in yourself. Peer pressure is real. You can go to Medina. You can go to Mecca and hang out. Waste all your time. I was the second, I was the third, if not the second, worst student in Umm Al-Qura. The only reason I'm here is the barakah of my teachers and y'all's ignorance of who I really am. I don't mean that, like, I'm not just joking. I can't quote you, fiqh. I can't quote, Imam Farhan and I studied together. We lived together for two and a half years, Adal Hijra. We lived together for two and a half years. We made hajj together five times. He gave me my first car in Mecca. When my wife came to Mecca, we lived with them for two weeks. So we go back, alhamdulillah, 15, 20 years. I'm not on his level. I'm not saying that out of humility. Go ask him. He'll tell you I'm not. <laughs> but you are going to be influenced by the people around you. So when I first got to Saudi, I wasted a year. Two months with the Brits, two months with the Americans. We're going to do our muraja. We're going to do our, our, our revision in the souk, in the marketplace, in the food court. We're doing revision while homie over here is Bluetooth and girl. This is, this is the early 2000s. Bluetooth and shawty over there. And the, Playing games. So if you really want to seek knowledge, seek knowledge. Lastly, don't overlook, don't sleep on the stuff that you have here. Likely it will suffice the things that you want. If you just want to be someone who is mutaqqaf, has a good understanding of the deen, khalas. I'm not saying don't go overseas study. Overseas study, having connection with teachers and ulama, real ulama, is incredibly important. But if, the, if you don't want to be a scholar, then why would you, what are you doing? So just make sure you know what you're doing. Wallah Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good question. At what point do I know if I'm falling short? And what I'm doing. How do I keep balance and how do I not stream short? The reality is all of us are muqassari. All of us are falling short. There's no way to give gratitude to the blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, If you were to try to enumerate the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you wouldn't be able to. Just in the haqq of our mother, the rights of our mother, if we were to carry, make hajj on foot, carrying our mothers on our shoulders, it wouldn't give her her right of being a mother. For what about what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, all the blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us. The question is, what can I handle? 
in how can I strategically build up. Just uh, If we were to take the deen all at once, it would leave us all at once. And so the goal is to have a plan to be strategic, to build up our capacity. To use the running metaphor again, I may be able to run a marathon today. I will hurt an entire marathon and be hurt tomorrow. I'll never probably run again. It won't, it's not sustainable. But if I put in the road work, I put in the hours, then perhaps I'll be able to. If, uh, you have to build up. And so figure out what you can do. Scale it back a little bit. So if you're reading a juz of Quran every day, and you want to say, I want to be consistent in my reading of Quran throughout the year. Maybe a juz a day, you're like, every day, like, alhamdulillah, I'm done. Okay, khalas, cut it back to a half juz. And then be consistent with that. Try to build up a tolerance for it. Try to build up, put, figure out things. Okay, do I put my phone down? What do I do so that I can do these things? Um, have a schedule that you're trying to accomplish. Imam Ghazali talks about in his ihya. Having a schedule that you're going to do. What things am I doing? When am I doing it? So I'm going to do my Quran in the morning. I'm doing my adhkar al-sabah at this time or that time. Have a schedule and try to be strict with your schedule. If you need like a, a, an accountability partner, then do that. Um, Allahumma salli Muhammad. Uh, I thought of something, but I forgot. But yeah. Allahumma The question is, how can we be successful in Ramadan, and what is best? How do we prioritize what we're trying to do? First and foremost, these ahadith of the Prophet Muhammad that talk about the numbers of blessings are encouragement for us. We don't know what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has for us. We don't know the reward of things. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could magnify them a gazillion times. We don't understand that. But we have to be very careful of not having a materialistic, a, a consumeristic relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I'm going to read Quran so I get these 120 verse barakah so that I can have that on my... It doesn't work that way. We should be worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, seeking his rida, seeking his pleasure. Because this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, this was going to please him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. With that foundation, that understanding, the Prophet Muhammad said in my favorite hadith, Ihris ala mayanfaq. Be diligent in what benefits you. Wasta'in billah. Seek the aid of Allah. Wala ta'ajaz. And don't, come t don't tire. And then don't make excuses. Lo kanali kadha o kadha. O kanali kadha o kadha. Fin lo yaf ta'amna shaitan. Don't say if it was like this or it was like that because if opens the door for shaitan. Figure out what's best for you. 
Maybe for you, like the brother next to you, he's doing his hiv. Do your hiv, khalas. You don't have time to do tadabbur. Maybe you'll read one verse and you're like, man. And you're like thinking about it. how does it apply to me? What can I do? What do you read the tafsir? What do the ulama say about this verse? How, you know, mashallah, it, it gives you uh, openings, etc. Maybe your heart's not there that day. So you're just like, I'm just going to read. My advice would be set a goal of what you're going to try to accomplish so that you'll actually do something. Because the shaitan and our nafus are tricky. It's very easy to be like, well, you know, I did to death border, so I'm going to stop reading. No, we should have a goal that we're, I'm going to do a hizb, I'm going to do a rubber, I'm going to do whatever it is that we're going to do, that we're going to be consistent with. And then if something comes by, we can stop at it, we can reflect on it, maybe we'll take some notes somewhere, read tafsir over there or there, and then we continue. Wallahualam. Yes, question from sisters. Just bismillah. Where the good brothers at now? When you're on your journey of the deen, you often find yourself feeling like a hypocrite. What can we do? The reality is we're all hypocrites. Me and you. We all have things that we know we shouldn't be doing. We know here. Here and here, is, there's a disconnect somewhere. We fall short. That one Instagram post that came up on your Finder page and you stopped that there a little bit, you didn't click on it, but you was like. <laughs> we know we shouldn't be doing it. But it's like, goodness gracious. Astaghfirullah, that's the biggest trick. Astaghfirullah. <laughs> Share. <laughs> Bro, look how haram this is. <laughs> so we all fall short. Like let's let's be let's be 100, right? We all got deficiencies. Huh? <laughs> uh, we all got deficiencies. Nah, leave it, leave it cuz we won't won't want to put nobody out there. We all got deficiencies, right? And we all know things that we're not practicing. The goal is that we do less of that. The fact that you do, or that we feel hypocritical about what we're doing is a sign of Iman, inshallah. It's a sign that we have faith, that we don't want to do it. But guilt is only good to the point that it makes actions. Guilt is only good to the point that it puts, it makes us do things. If we're not doing anything with that guilt, it's not benefiting us. And oftentimes that guilt that doesn't create actions really is a, a nafsani thing. It's really a spiritual problem that I have because I'm focused on me and not Allah. I'm so bad. I haven't done. I need to be doing. What am I saying? Ana, ana, ana. Me, me, me. When I should be mindful of the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-ghafur rahim the most forgiving, the most merciful. That shouldn't maybe be like, let me look some more. No, that should make me actually do some more. Allah is going to forgive me, so I'm going to keep working. Allah knows my intentions. I'm going to keep my head down. I'm going to keep grinding. And so... Let's not get caught up in me and how bad I am or how good I am or what I think about. I don't know who you are. You don't know who I am. I could have been doing the worst thing in the world before I got here, put a kufi on, threw a scarf around my neck and came in here. You don't know. And y'all could have been praying all night long in a deep state of tadabbur, thinking about the Quran and mashallah were floating the night before. No one floats. Um, 
F- don't worry about the again we should try to get out of this con- consumeristic approach to things uh and just keep working you feel like a hypocrite good do something about it make a change gradually the prophet said the best most um the best deeds and uh to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are those that are most consistent even if they're small so do just try to keep building. You don't like it? Put a time limit on your Instagram page. Alhamdulillah, mashallah, Apple has that stuff built in there. Put a time limit. I'm gonna one hour a day. That's it. Wallahi, an hour is actually not a lot. You'd be like, man, I just got on this joint. If, uh, set a limit. Do whatever you can to mitigate the problems. Wallahi. What's the next one? Was that the hard one or an easy one? Okay. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Damn it. That's a whole foot and mouth situation right there. <laughs> the question was, I mentioned Yasser Qadi. Many people have been refuting Yasser Qadi. What do we think about Yasser Qadi? Was that the question? If you don't like Yasser Qadi, don't listen to Yasser Qadi. Simple. Go. The earth of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is wide. You don't like him. Bismillah. Go listen to a million other people. You do like him, benefit from him. That's the simple and short answer. There's someone refuting someone all the time. People have refuted Sheikh Islam Taymiyyah until tomorrow. There's books refuting him. There's entire books written refuting him. And he wrote entire books refuting others. What's most important is what is our connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Are we judging someone? They could be, I disagree with Shiyas Qadi on many issues. Many issues. And his approach to da'wah, difference in mind on many things. Ways that you guys probably wouldn't even, you would, it would surprise you. Makhlas. He's trying. He did what he did. And Allah Allah. Lastly, stop watching refutation videos. Like, for real. That's, y'all, that's like, okay. That's like Muslim TMZ. For real. I'm not saying there's no benefit. Brothers, mashallah, are spending their time and effort trying to collect all the akhta, all the mistakes of the Muslims around the world and put them in one video so you know to stay away from it. God bless. Is that really helping you? You don't like Yasir Qadi? Good. Go find someone else. It's that simple. But spending your time collecting the refutation videos of Yasir or someone else, like, you don't like it? You find the video to be the haq. It's telling you the truth. Beautiful. Now, continue on with your life. Yeah. Allah if ta'alaik. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, beautiful question. The question was, if you don't have knowledge, how do you know what to take from? I said, Abdullah Wasa, the earth is vast. So go somewhere else. How do I know where to go? The first thing is the first part. Of the answer to that is in the first part of the question. Recognizing we don't know. 
So therefore, how do I know the person doing the refuting is actually correct? If I don't know what this mas'ala is, this issue is, is it from usul al-deen or min furu' al-deen? Is it from the fundamentals of the deen or the, the branch of the deen? If I don't know that, and I don't know the issue itself, how do I know fulan that wrote this, in, this refutation is correct? I'm not saying he's not. I'm not saying he is. But if I don't have that fundamental thing, that's what I'm saying, it doesn't benefit you. MashaAllah, we got 100 people down here, roughly, who knows how many sisters upstairs. Brothers are doing good work. Step back from online and ask the people you have here. Benefit from them, benefit from the halaqat that are here. There's a, a numerous halaqat in the area of many different perspectives. Benefit, take that. Your second part of your question is when there's difference of opinion or different ideologies and different ideas. First and foremost, we need to understand uh, the fundamentals of the deen. We have three main, fun, three main categories of Islamic sciences. We have the ones that Sheikh Rastam mentioned, the aqidah, uh, akhbar, or information about the present and past, uh, and then fiqh, and, and what rulings of the actions of the heart. A more uh, concise summary could be Islam, Iman, Ihsan. Islam being the external, fiqh, Iman being what we believe in, aqidah, Ihsan being spirituality or tazkiyah. Excuse me. Those have fundamental things. La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah. The fundamentals of aqidah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is one. The Prophet Muhammad is the messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The rest are furu'. The rest are branches. If we can't even um, ground our knowledge intellectually, forget belief and practice. If I can't understand where does this fall, that's the work of the scholars. So that's what I'm saying. Like, unfortunately, it can become a self-fulfilling prophecy. If I'm looking for refutations, there's a million refutations. That could, then who do you take from it at the end of the day? Ask your mashaykh, ask your teachers who you have. Again, we're zamzam, right? I mean, excuse me, we're tayammum. We don't have the, the real scholars. So you're, you're, you're making, you got dirt here that you're trying to benefit from just so you can get by. Ask somebody, what do you think about this specific thing? Keep moving on. Also, lastly, ideologies. So we have in, in, Muhammad, in fiqh, we have four schools of thought, general schools of thought. The Hanafiya, the Malikiya, Shafi'iya, and Hanabila. And then you have the Zahiriya, which one could argue about, but we'll leave that for now. In Aqidah, you have three, don't be, you have three main schools of Sunni thought. And there's, this is different upon. Khalas, we'll leave it, Manish. Not trying to get in too much trouble. And then you have different schools of thought with regard to Tezkiyah. Mention it? Khalas. He said it. In Aqidah, you have three main schools of Sunni thought. If I wish I bought another, another juz, another volume from Sheikh al-Islam, maybe another time I'll read that. Where he's explained the hadith of the 72 sects. In Aqidah, you have the Atharīyah, the Asha'ira, and the Maturidiyah. This Ahl Sunnah. We can differ with their opinions. We can differ with them. I'm Atharī. 90% of the time. But they still fall within Ahl Sunnah and Jama'ah. Yeah. Yes. Yes.
Yeah. Yeah. The question was with regard to working, you're in IT and your job may have be in defense and then defense may be used as something to harm Muslims or to do harm. First and foremost, this is not a fatwa. This is not a, a ruling for a specific person. If you have a specific situation, go ask a mufti, someone who's going to give you a fatwa for that specific situation. And also when we have a fatwa, that's not meaning that the question I asked applies to now Ali. Ali can't use my fatwa to apply in his life. He needs to go ask his own fatwa for his own situation. And when you're asking for a fatwa, be as detailed as possible. So, for example, I have an IT job and I'm providing for my family. It's in defense. I get thrown a project. It doesn't really, but I don't know. I go ask the fatwa sheikh. I have six children that I take care of. My wife doesn't work. Is it okay? What should I do? It's going to be a different answer than me saying, yo, so I got a second job. My second hustle is actually this IT joint. Can I have that? The answer is going to be very different. Um... We have to try our best. And our level of, of, of wara, scrupulousness, is going to differ based on person to person. If you can avoid defense, definitely avoid defense. If you can avoid defense, but you're in like the health, uh, you're in HR, that's not as bad as someone who's like literally flying the joint. And so like everyone's going to be in different levels. Along. Oh, God. That's... Uh, uh, that's far more uh <laughs> that's more challenging to be honest um we we try to avoid it if you can for sure um uh, what was the question what about working for banks um so there are certain things that have some haram in them but in general they're not bad you work for like trader joe's they may sell some things that are impermissible but generally speaking, you don't have to do that. You're like a loader anyway, so you don't have to deal with that. Whereas certain institutions are like built upon haram. And so you could like justify saying, well, I work in the IT department, so I don't have to do with that, or I'm not doing any of the transactions. I'm doing HR or whatever. And so it's like not super haram. But then again, based on your level of scrupulousness, try to get out of it. Hold on. Again, everyone asks a fatwa for your own specific situation. Yeah. Is this from the sisters? No. I was going to say, they over here cheating. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's getting spicy. What should someone do when they're trying to get married and seek knowledge? Bismillah. No, I'm going to turn off the mic. <laughs> Alhamdulillah, there are places you can go in the world and be married. Uh, I got married halfway through. I got married early on. It didn't work. And then I got remarried halfway through. Alhamdulillah. Um, hold up. See, Alhamdulillah. You, in Arabic, they say, La shukr ala wajib. You can't thank me for doing what's a duty. I'm a man. I got married. You don't thank me for doing what I'm supposed to do. 
I didn't thank you for breaking your fast. Like, come on now. <laughs> like, <laughs> Tech Beard, he broke his fast, brothers. <laughs> you a man, get married. Like, what you supposed to do? Um, man, we got a lot of work to do. Um, again, figure out what your goals are. You want to get married, you want to seek knowledge. Marriage is obligatory for me. I don't know about y'all, but for me, it was obligatory. So I got married. But I also figured out how to do what I was trying to do. Um, and so figure out where you're out in the world. Like, I went, to, I started seeking, I went to Umar Qura at 17, right before I turned 18. I got married at 19, it didn't work, got divorced, got remarried at 22. And so I was already doing that, but I also knew how to work and hustle, so I taught English. That meant that my talib al-ilm went down. I wasn't able to attend some drus outside because I had to work and to provide for my family. But what are your goals in seeking knowledge? If you're coming to halaqat, you're learning, you're starting to build yourself, then you can get married. It's possible. The two aren't, I, bifadillah ta'ala, am married, I have six children, I still read books clearly, I still talk to my mashayikh, I still do talab al-ilm. So there isn't a, a, a contradiction, those two don't, aren't, I forget the word I'm trying to say, but you can do them. You just have to figure out what are your goals and what are you trying to do. But definitely get married. There are two times in a man's life specifically where he changed fundamentally. There are two times in a man's life where he fundamentally changes. His outlook of the world is no longer the same. One, when he gets married, he recognizes, I am responsible for these people behind me. Wow. It's not just me out here anymore. And this idea that it is just you and I just want to be free and independent, that's kalam fadi. That's stupid talk. Since Adam alayhi salam, we have gotten married, we have lived as families. So get married when you're capable of doing so. The second time is when you have a child. It's not just about me anymore. It's not just about me. It's about something else. I didn't read until my wife got pregnant with my son. I hated reading. My, wife, my mom had me tested three times with dyslexia. Something wrong with this boy. <laughs> three times, something wrong. Get him tested. Like, no, he's nothing wrong. He just don't like reading. <laughs> when my wife got pregnant with my son, I was like, yeah, Allah, I hope one day my son becomes a reader. He's better than me. And I was like, snaps. If he doesn't see me reading, what's going to break the cycle? Okay, I like those type of movies. I'm going to read a book that's getting ready to come out as a movie. I know it's a good book then. I'm going to read that. And then slowly, I'm going to put some Dean in there, read some more books, and built up a, a habit where now, alhamdulillah, I enjoy reading. So those two times, get married, inshallah. Uh, hold on, he is having something to come to you. No, sisters. Get sisters. We got to respect the sisters. They only has two. Yeah, they only has two so far. Y'all need them to get married, so. Mm. They're, they're doing their best to do a lot of actions with the different worship. Mm-hmm. Salah, zakah, zikr, qiyam, layr. Mm-hmm. Like, like in the majority of the time, their mind drifts. Beautiful. Their mind drifts and they lack rukuah. Yeah. I mean, their heart isn't present. Mm-hmm. What's the best way to make sure that that, that heart listens to the body, to the soul, to the ibadah is doing good there? Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. So the question was, someone is trying to engage in ibadah. The, can everyone move up, mashallah? Uh, there's also space on the other side If someone's trying to engage in ibadah they're, they're trying to be diligent about their ibadah But they find their mind drifting They don't have khushur They don't have the presence of heart What should they do? 
They should recognize this is incredibly normal. We read what are called hagiographies, a very technical term for biographies of righteous people. We read hagiographies, these biographies of righteous people of the past, and how they were praying and or they needed to get a wound amputated. So they said, well, just do it when I'm praying. Don't give me no anesthesia. And they're like, are you done? He salams out and is like, so did y'all do the procedure? That's how his khushruq was. These are stories, real stories, authentic stories. A bird, he's so still in salah, a bird sits on his shoulder. These are real stories that we have to believe of our pious people of the past. We read those stories and we compare it to us and like, yo, I was doing homework. I was thinking about what I'm going to send to someone. The reality is that doesn't come except with practice. You have to practice. You have to practice. You have to practice. And it requires that we build up that muscle. That's why sometimes the ulama refer to as riyadhat al-nafs, the exercise of the soul, because it's like exercise. If you guys went to the gym and said that you, most of you, if you said you're going to squat 400 pounds, you couldn't do it. There's a couple guys in here I believe could do it. Um, no, nah, there's a couple guys. They don't know about you, man. <laughs> if you in the gym thought you were going to squat 400 today, you wouldn't be able to. Huh? There's a couple guys. Mashallah. Mashallah, mashallah, mashallah. I've seen him in the gym. We used to work out the same gym. Uh, I don't know if you do 400. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> if you thought you were going to the gym and lift 400, or bench 300. You probably wouldn't be able to do it. And it would, <laughs> young man in the back said, I can do it. Um, you would be overwhelmed. You'd probably get hurt. But if you gradually built up to it, eventually you may be able to. Eventually you may have the capacity to do that. And so we try to build it up. If it's talking about salah, your mind drifts. You, to quote from like mindfulness meditation, you gently bring your mind back. You recognize I'm over here. Don't shame yourself. Don't get into negative self-talk, all that stuff. No, awesome. Come back. And then keep doing that. For me, I remember I was, I still am, but one time I was like, you know, I'm going to use my back and my posture as a reminder that I'm not in good kushur. So I found myself hunched over like this, and I'm like, oh, my God. Let me straighten up. Have some good posture. That was a trigger for me to say, oh, I wasn't even thinking about Salah anyways. And so we have to remind ourselves generally. What's the second question? Yeah. Yeah. The question is, what do you do if someone's name is being brought up and they're in a situation of backbiting? Should you stop them in the moment? Should you, uh, what can you do? In every situation, there's a specific, a specific thing that should be said. And based on your who you are, your relationship to the person, who they are, what setting it was set in, all of these things are going to dictate how you should respond to it. So maybe if it's you guys, I hear you guys talking about um, Imam Muhammad. You're like, yo, man, I do blah, 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 blah. Because you guys may perhaps maybe respect me. I go, yo, 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 don't do that, man. 
And, it, and if I do it a nice way, it'll be like, all right, cool, my bad. We ain't going to do that. But maybe someone else, the young boy in the back, comes like, yo, what you doing? I'm like, shut up. Like, maybe. That wouldn't be the best way. What's important is the message and not the messenger. So don't be caught up in who I am and what I need. It's about getting the message across. Is this thing even on, by the way? So it's just to look good. Oh, you're recording it. Okay, alhamdulillah. <laughs> I'm like, this drink just here look cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I recognize that. I was like, yo, what's this for? <laughs> Why is this even here? Uh, <laughs> it looks legit, though, mashallah. <laughs> I, I ain't the joint. Um, so, yeah. See, it's going to mess up the rest of the night. So you have based on every situation, and you do your best. If you're able to say something without ruining a situation, then alhamdulillah, definitely say it. If you have the capacity to say, listen, that's haram, you shouldn't do that, then say what you need to say. If you don't have it, in the very least, speak about the person in a good way. But I think in most situations, we can say, yo, 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 come on, come on, let's, all right, let's change the topic, come on, come on, come on. Most of us can do that. Someone's like, oh, so-and-so said such and such and such and such. But, but you know, mashallah, he also, you know, I saw him praying the other day, he looked like a really nice, whatever. You can always try to find something positive to say. Any others? Ah, yes. The question is, how do you choose? How do you determine what opinion to take? Um, like food delivery. Can I do it? Some say yes, some say no. This is why we have to study fiqh. This is the importance of fiqh. And more specifically, this is why we have methodologies in fiqh. It's not just me opening the book and trying to figure out what works. This is why the scholars have these different methodologies to do it. Because the ulama over the last 15 years, 100 years have developed usul, fundamentals, to determine how to make rulings. And even more importantly, most of us, myself specifically included, don't have the capacity to give a fatwa. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, فَاسْأَلْ أَهْلَ الذِّكْرِ إِنْ كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ Ask people of knowledge if you don't know. You have a specific question, go to someone to ask that question. If you go online, I can surely find three different opinions about the same thing. And you don't know who's writing this. Maybe you do know, but they don't know. They're slightly different. As someone who, I don't give a towel, I do knuckle. I re repeat what I've heard my other teachers say. But based on a person, I can tell maybe they're a little down today. So how I give the answer is going to be different. I might give you a rukhsa. I might make it easy for you because you're in a situation. You're like, yo, I'm providing for a wife and six kids. All I have is delivering food and Uber. I would tell you then, try to do some more Uber. You're like, but the best times are nighttime. You pick it up from the clubs. You're not responsible for what they do. You see what I'm saying? There's, there's ways to answer that. And if you can avoid it, obviously, then avoid it. But do what you can. Uh, hold on. You asked one. You asked one. Let's get someone new. Yeah, my man right here. Sorry. Oh, two more from the sisters. Bismillah. Two more, period. Jimmy. Nah, we good. We good. I'm having fun. I have a question. Yes, please. In Ayat al Kursi, oh, Lord. it says that Allah had the throne. Mm -hmm. Does Allah sit on his throne? Oh, boy. Oh. <coughs> no, astaghfirullah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran that he has a throne in Ayatul Kursi. And does he sit on this throne? 
Someone asked Imam Malik, Al-Istiwa' uh, al-Arsh kayf? Allah is above his throne, how? He says, and I'm going to butcher it if someone knows the exact quote better than me, the fact that Allah has a throne, we know this. And how that throne is, we don't know. Asking about it is innovation. So he kicked him out the masjid. <laughs> Get him! <laughs> uh, Allah must say Muhammad. We know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says he has a throne. We believe it. We affirm that Allah has a throne. How it is, we don't know. The basis of asma wa sifat, the names and attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that is agreed upon in Ahlul Sunnah is laysa kamithlihi shay. The verse of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, nothing is likened unto him. Nothing is like unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So how we then materialize that is when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says he's a throne and he, we don't get it, it's not like us. So I have a chair that I'm sitting on. I'm sitting in it. I don't get into how even that is. The ethity opinion is that you affirm it. Allah has a throne. How? I don't know. You do tough weave. Allah, no, I have no clue. I'm not even getting into it. If you're predisposed to philosophy, your mind thinks critically about these things, as Ghazali talks about, then the Ash'ari opinion is to make ta'wil. It's to try to explain. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says a, yeah, a hand. Because my mind will think about this hand, the Ash'ari say that it means power. They affirm that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says he has a hand. Then they'll say, well, hand means power. That way it removes me from thinking that hand means my hand. These are all ishtihadats, all um, trials from our, the scholars of the past. And they've differed. Ibn uh, excuse me, Shaykh al-Islam Taymiyyah fought against the Asha'ira. I read him for a reason today. He fought against them. The Asha'ira fought against... You didn't get your answer? No, no, no. Oh, okay. Oh, no, no, it's cool, it's cool, it's cool, cool. <laughs> Allah will say Muhammad For Our job as awam As lay folk Is to not get involved in any of this Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said this about him We don't know Don't Don't busy yourself thinking about it It's not going to benefit you Allah says it We We stop there If your mind now is, is running And you're confused It's causing problems for you Shaykh al-Islam Uh Imam Ghazali said, then khalas, maybe you need to study something different to help you figure that out. If your mind is simple, you're just like, khalas, it's good for I asked my wife, my wife asked me one day, what did, I keep hearing people online talk about asha'ira, athari, uh, what is this, all this stuff? She's not talking about the ilm. I said, when Allah says it's a hand, do you think this? I would have been last. I said, khalas, you're good, babe. You don't have to worry about that. Don't even worry about it. Simple. Your mind's not predisposed to that. Don't worry. Don't let shakadimaka anha. Your second part, if it's dealing with the first, we'll get that. <laughs> there is the Quran There is no book Okay That's a good question I'm glad you asked it What's the best book on fiqh That is not opinion Fiqh by definition Means understanding We're trying to do Istimbat of delil We're trying to find How to apply proofs The ulama of the past Are trying to take proofs To then How we can understand them Some of these things Are different I'll give you a real hot one. I know where I'm at. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, and the hadith is authentic. What's below your ankles is in the fire. So what does that mean? If I wear my pants below my ankles, 
is impermissible. Tayyib. There's another hadith, also authentic. I believe it's in Muslim. Where it says, What's below your ankles out of arrogance is in the fire. How do I understand these two hadith? There's another hadith where Abu Bakr says, well, What about me, Ya Rasulullah? Do I have arrogance? Because Abu Bakr was a thin person. His, would, his pants would fall down below his ankles. He said, you're not from the arrogant. How do we understand it? It requires deduction. It requires the ulama have looking at it. And there's a plethora of opinions. Some say, absolutely have to. Others say, it's makroor. Others say, because this doesn't fall in karahiyya, then it is mubah. This is fiqh. And it's done by our scholars, and this is why we have methodologies. It's not for us to say it's free from opinions. All of his opinions. Unless it's something that's qat'i, something that is it's black and white. Don't come to prayer and you're intoxicated. Um, what's the verse about zina? Don't come close to fornication. Black and white. Khalas wilder. So yeah. Uh, I'm going over here. I'm scared of you. <laughs> no, I'll come back to joking. Someone over here. Hand. One, two, three. Oh, big man. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mmm. Mmm. Beautiful. There's so many forms and approaches to seeking knowledge. Where do I start? It's a very good question. You start with that which is fardain, which is individually obligatory for you. In aqidah and fiqh and tazkiyah. Tazkiyah is a little bit different. Because it's not necessarily, an, it is a science, but it's more experiential, it's something applied. So then you need to know definitely uh, have something of aqidah, something of fiqh. Where do you start? Wherever you have access to. Whatever you have access to that is agreed upon is generally understood to be authentic. We could talk about that all day. So you need to study some fiqh. And that which is basically individually obligatory. In the Maliki Madhab, for example, that we have Akhdari. A very small text. It's like 50 pages with the explanation. By itself, it's like 10, if that. It's going to go over basic aqidah. It's going to go over basic, um, Allah said Muhammad, salah, wudu, uh, fasting, and that's it. I, think it. I don't even think it goes over zakat. It stops there. In the Maliki Madhab, there's Abi Shuja'at, there's other small texts as well. Every Madhab has one. Umdat al Fiqh and the Hanbali Madhab, there are many. But yes, basic things. Um, do I have to stop? Two more. Jimmy, another two. We got another two. What's your question? I'm like, Allah, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm What are some practical advices that you you can give us in terms of like religion, do we surround ourselves after college, um, work and balancing deen and dunya, stuff like that? Me mentioning that most of us are not going to be ulama has nothing to do with your age. It's because we're lazy and we don't prioritize it. That's why. It has nothing to do with our age. There are ulama that didn't start seeking out until the 40. If you really want to seek knowledge, you would be doing it. It wouldn't be just like, so, you know, theoretically, you'd just be hunting. You'd be trying to get it. 
Every dot is. And there are guys. Do you those who know know? There are guys in the community who are trying to seek knowledge, and they're about it. They're trying to go to any and every place they could. They're saving their money so they can go to this conference, so they can go overseas. They're talking to people about planning. They're exhausting their means. Now, if you don't have aspirations of being a scholar, which is fine, the vast majority of the ummah has never been scholarly, you do what you can with what you can. Now, what do we do post-college? For Definitely, fardain. Make sure you learn your basics, what you need to practice your deen. Then, good companionship. Keep yourself around good brothers. They're going to encourage you. Also, have mentors. Have mentors. Have mentors. We are nothing but dwarfs standing on the shoulders of giants. Anything that we have is because of the people that came before us. Because of what other people have done. That we benefit from them so we can do. It will save you headaches and years of problems. You will skip go every time. Just by doing shura. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Consult them in your affairs. The Prophet Muhammad وسلم, did shura. For what about us? So what you should do? You should have basic knowledge. Uh, fear Allah as best you can. Have good companionship, good friends. And have mentors. People that you can say, I'm thinking about, and as detailed as possible. As depth as possible. Because some people, they wait till the poo hits the fan. Then they're like, oh, Sheikh, what do I do? Uh, Imam, uh, how do I fix out? You, you, you should have consulted me a year ago, bro. Like, why now? I could have saved you a hassle. So like, no, I'm think, I want to get married. What should I start thinking about? Uh-huh, that's a good conversation. I have sister so-and-so. Do you think that's good for me? How should I approach families? What should I go about talking to her? What are things I should say? Bro, wallahi. I've had brothers say, it's, it's wedding night. What do I do? I've talked four dudes through their wedding night, at least. That's not aib. That's not shameful. They're married with kids now, alhamdulillah. <laughs> so we should ask. The, the, the Sahaba didn't have shyness with the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu The man, the Shabab, came to the Prophet Sallallahu and said, Can you imagine going to any of your imams in the area and say, allow me to fornicate? My, I just, it's, it's hard out here. I need you to help me. Figure this out for me, Sheikh, because I'm struggling. Never. That shows they had closeness with the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi but that means they also asked good questions. The other Sahabi was with the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The sister walked by, and like all of us, he was like this. What did the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi do? He just turned his head. Then what did he do? Three times. That was a comfortability. There was a, a, a interaction there. He had a mentor that helped him work on his situation. And so we should ask about our situations. We should not be shy about these things. Wallahu alam. In the middle, just because you're there. Considering Islam as a religion? Whew, I don't know. Read the Quran. Read the Quran and read some seerah. Read the Quran and read seerah. That, that doesn't count as a question, though. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mashallah. 
You can't. If you did that, you'd be a machine and not a human. The reality is a lot of times we associate our feelings with Iman. And we chase after feelings. When Iman is actually the ability to maintain despite the feelings. I feel depressed. What do I do? Do I keep praying? Do I work and take steps to get out of that? Or do I just stay there and stay there and stay there? I'm high. Do I know, listen, I really need to go to sleep. Not high. I don't, you know, but I'm at a spiritual high. I feel really good, left away, like you said. Do I make practical steps to maintain that? That would be a sign of iman. What oftentimes we associate with iman are our feelings. What do you do to maintain those good feelings? You first have to have a plan to maintain those feelings. Understand and know that it's going to suck sometimes. That's life. What do I do when it sucks? I'm currently behind in my Quran two days. I was traveling. I left Friday, came home today. But I front-loaded a little bit, so I was up a day before, so now I'm behind only one day. My plan is to every day add an extra half a juz so I can catch back up. Maybe just a quarter juz, just a little bit, so that if I add an extra quarter juz every day, I'll be back where I need to be in four days. So it's an easy plan, but if I go try to do two juz tomorrow, I haven't slept, I'm tired, I'm not going to be able to do anything. You see what I'm saying? So you need to make a plan to maintain what you're trying to do, just like going to the gym. Uh, you asked the question. And you asked a question too. Anything from the sisters? No. One more. Khalas. Uh, well, I'm going to ask. It doesn't count, but yes. You can, I mean, yours counts. It's a very important question, but it doesn't count as the last one. Yes. What's your question? Yeah, blue, blue hoodie. How do you get close to your deen at a young age? May Allah bless you and make you a righteous person that serves Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's deen uh, and make him pleased with you. Say ameen. You do as best you can. Obey your parents. Be good to your parents. Be good to your parents. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, lahum. Don't even say uf. What is uf in our modern? That. A lot of us don't come from a culture where we say uf. The American equivalent, Don't even do that. Serve your parents. Serve them. They need something. Make sure, try to take care of their needs before they can even ask you. And do it sincerely. Because you know by serving them is going to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Do that. Be consistent with that. Allah will open doors for you in ways you can never imagine. Wallahi, I was with one of my teachers uh, a few weeks ago. And I was talking to him about like, I was one of the worst of Umm Qura and blah, blah, blah. I said, I've, the only thing I have is because I served my teachers. He's like, wallahi, wallahi, wallahi. You think I'm something now? In front of my teachers, I'm nothing. I serve them. I do whatever they want. If I'm sitting in front, alhamdulillah. If I'm sitting in the back, alhamdulillah. I'm making tea, alhamdulillah. Whatever serves my teachers. So be sincere, be humble, and serve your parents. Do whatever you can. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be a challenge. You're not going to want to do it. You're going to be tired. You're going to be frustrated. But be sincere. Say, alhamdulillah, and get back on the horse. Inshallah, Allah will take care of the rest. May Allah make it bless you. Uh, one more question. Uh, right here, because you didn't ask one. Uh, so let's say I have a co-worker, mm -hmm. and like, I, got, I was able to get him to Islam, inshallah. Okay. And then, but he's like not an Arabic speaker. Okay. So how do you like uh, teach him, like, like, you know, to start praying, like, even though 
bring him to the masjid. Introduce me to Muhammad. Bring him to any of the masajid. Give him a book. There's uh, my dua book, my prayer book, my salah book by Dara Salam on Amazon. They come in a set. They're really good. Um, new Muslim guidebook. I help write one. It's in Boston. Just Google New Muslim guidebook. Give him a book. You can help him. But help him. Walk through it with him. Write it out for him. That doesn't really count. Give me one more. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So going back to the question. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Many of us, uh, Allah bless you. It's a good way to finish. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. The question was, the questioner talked about some people finding sweetness in dhikr or Quran or whatever. But many of us haven't found sweetness in anything. What do we do? First and foremost, make dua. Sincerely ask Allah. Uh, dua necessitates iman. Necessitates knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if we're not finding sweetness, the first thing we should do there, there's no first and second here, but one of the things we need to do is increase in our knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and not focus on the insignificance of ourselves or the insignificance of the actions and rather the magnitude of the one we're trying to please. 